Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. Today we have another cool guest episode. We're digging a lot into the guest episodes in 2022, which is feeling pretty delicious. And this particular guest is somebody that I have followed for a very long time. I've been involved with at a number of points along my journey in the online space. So I'm thrilled and really, really thrilled to bring you her voice and bring you some of her expertise. We are welcoming on the incredible Alex Beden. Welcome, Alex. Yay. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today. (laughs) Thank you. So Alex has undergone a number of metamorphoses really in the online space over the last couple of years, but she is a launch strategist um, and really just kind of an all round online guru, right? You've You've been in the online space for quite some time now, I think about 10 years. Is that right? Yeah, very true. Very. It's more than 10 years now. I think I started in 2009. I started blogging, putting myself out there in 2009. So it's been like 13, 14, 13 years. Yeah. That is so funny. I was going to ask you about that because I started blogging as well when I came into the online space um, and found it so unusual, like that I kind of really quickly realized coming into that blogging space that there was a lot of discussion about how blogging was super amazing and it was this, you know, really easy way to kind of make success in the online space. And all you needed to do was write these great blogs and understand SEO and no Pinterest. And then you were good, except that that was sort of information that was applicable five years earlier for me. And it didn't actually pan out that way for a lot of people. And so when I moved away from that and kind of stretched out, (laughs) said, okay, blogging, Blogging's not it, but there's a big wide world of online business out there. Um, You were one of the first people I found that was actually giving like structural language. It wasn't like, guys, just get some great value content and then you go like you were like, okay, people, here's what it actually means. Like this is good. I'm glad to to hear that. I'm glad. (laughs) I like to be fluff free. So that is definitely a good thing to hear. (laughs) I think I started off doing I found you through a challenge. It was like a three-day challenge or something talking about how to I think it was get five figure months or scale your income each month yes, or something. Five K in five days. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. And I see, I came from brick and mortar business. I'd already had several years in brick and mortar business. Right. And I was like, this woman gets it. Like, this is legit. <laughs> like this is business talk. 
right here yeah. and I like it so thank you for that all of those oh, you're welcome thank ago. you for joining <laughs> <laughs> how did you how did you end up in this online entrepreneurial space as a 20 something year old how did that occur So I graduated from university and it was very clear that I had a passion for photography and did not want to climb the corporate ladder at all. And so my, both of my mom and dad, but mainly my mom were very passionate about me following my passion. So I was encouraged to, they were like, you know, if you're ever going to do it, now's the time. So I jumped into being a full-time photographer and through trying to promote my photography business through blogging and creating content is really when I started to amass a following of photographers at the time. Mm. And one day I was just like, huh, I have all these followers who are coming to me for photography advice. I should create some kind of digital product for them, which I already had a bunch of Photoshop actions, which are very similar to Lightroom presets. Um, just sitting there on my, on my computer. So I was like, you know what, let me see if I put these up for sale. Cause they're literally just sitting there gathering dust. Let's see what happens. And that was my first online business was selling Photoshop actions. And <laughs> I will never forget the very first day I put them up. It was just like, I made like three or $400 overnight. And to <laughs> me at the time as a photographer, Jeez. where you're used to trading time for money, it yeah. was mind blowing. I was <laughs> like, Oh my God, I literally didn't leave my house and I made money. And that was like the bug that bit me. I was like, this is for me. I want to stay at home and create something digitally that I can sell a million times over and it's not going to cost me anymore. And that's how I got into this industry. Did you have any idea what you were doing as you were doing that? It sounds like it was really like, this is just a cool idea. (laughs) Yeah, I had no idea. Um, I, I, it was just like, let's just kind of see what happens. Let's entertain this idea and just throw something at the wall and see if it sticks and it's stuck. And mm. in the first 12 months of having that first online business, I made $103,000, which again, Oof. for me is like a, I think I was like 20 or 21. It was mind blowing. I was like, I've made it. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> but yes, I, my, my passion for photography soon faded. And that's when I realized that really what matters to me the most is that I do what I love and that I find a way to make a living doing what I love. And that was at the beginning of my career, that was like the number one thing I was aiming for. Mm. So, yeah. So that's been, that's been like a lot of evolutions since then. Oh yeah. Right? Oh like we are far away from the photography. We are far away. Now. Yes. hundred percent. And oh, when I, you go, you go, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say when I left photography, it was so confronting for me. I was like, Mm. everyone knows me as this photographer. I have like 80,000 unique hits to my website, which is Alex Beaton photography. It was very intimidating to decide that I was no longer going to be associated as a photographer. Um, But, you know, you, you make leaps of faith. You listen to your intuition. You trust in the bigger picture. You trust that you're being led in the right direction. And you always are. Mm. Do you still feel that with every pivot that you do, every change? I think that now I'm more mature, obviously, hopefully. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I hope. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So now I definitely make my decisions more strategically and I try to look at what I create as though I am an artist who is coming out with 
you know, if you look at a, a musician, they're coming out with multiple albums and they can build off of those albums over time. That's more how I see myself today is like, how can I create something that's going to last mm-hmm. and still be relevant five, 10 years from now, as opposed to like building something. When I look back at my Photoshop actions business, I literally just dumped that business. I was like, we're over. I'm breaking up with you. You were very <laughs> profitable, but we're done. And now I look back and I'm like, maybe I could have, you know, gone about that a little bit differently, but you learn lessons as you get older and you make wiser decisions. But yes, I would say definitely I still listen to my intuition and I'm leaning into my intuition. I do believe that for me, at least that seems to be a really good steering wheel as to where I should go. Cause if I've learned anything, it's that as soon as I lose my passion, the thing that makes me special and the thing that differentiates me dies. So the passion to me is very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. And you really, I mean, I think I've been following you. I've been in the online space for about four years now. So I think it's kind of the the entirety of that time that I've been, you know, in your space and like working with you on and off and doing different things. And really that phase of time when you did, uh, you were focused on being like the Instagram stories queen, right? And that Mm -hmm. was kind of the birthplace of project storyline, which was so huge and really revolutionary for the the online space in terms of utilizing Instagram stories. And there was Grand Slam and just a whole bunch of really cool stuff came from there. What, What did that feel like for you to release that in particular and move into launch strategist from there? Like it looked really... It looked really beautiful from the outside. That it was like, guys, we've had so much fun being like the Instagram stories people. And now we're not doing that anymore. Now we're doing something else and come with me. Was that what it felt like to you on the inside? I think for me, it was very gradual. I think what people, I think from the outside, it may have seemed like, oh, she's not, she's now like completely over with that. And now she's doing this other thing, but actually there was an overlap there of me continuing to sell product storyline while we were leading people through together. We launched. So there definitely was a transition period, um, in terms of how it felt. I think that I intuitively can tell when something is no longer clicking with me anymore. And I didn't want to be known as the Instagram stories person. I think for me, you know, I, um, was invited to speak on stage at social media marketing world in San Diego, which was a huge deal for me. I was like the number one social media conference, the biggest social media conference in the United States asked me to come and speak on stage. Like that was huge. Mm -hmm. And it was a great experience for me. I really loved it, but something inside of me was like, there's something more that you're supposed to be speaking about. Hmm than speaking about Instagram stories and listen, no shade to anyone. Like I see people talking about reels and stories and TikTok and more power to you. Like whatever is driving for you in that moment. Great. Like I'm not placing any judgment on anyone, but for me internally, it just felt like there's more step into step into the next stage. Let's, let's keep this going. Let's keep the momentum. And that's how it felt, but not really any fear around it. it. It happened, like I said, in a very kind of it happened in stages and there was overlap. And so I, I did it in a way that felt good to me. Mm. It's kind of rebellious, isn't it? To the whole like narrative of the online space that says, and I actually think it's quite an illusion because nobody who's successful in the online space actually does it this way. But the narrative is come in and find your niche and stick at it. Like yeah. don't waver from it and, you know, get credibility, get the no like, and trust factor, build your audience. Yeah. 
right? As soon as you've identified that, that place in the market that you can take, don't, don't ever veer away from that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's just, I think that's inherently challenging for everyone because we're not static beings we're evolving beings and so we're always here to to evolve and to me that always seemed just so opposite to the spirit the spirit of being an entrepreneur right yeah you you become an entrepreneur because you're progressive and because you're intuitive and you're innovative and right you you want to do new things and fresh things and push yourself to master different areas um you know and I think that's just, again, it's kind of one of those like veneers, right, in the online space that actually the people who are succeeding are not the ones who are staying still, right? They're the ones who are changing. Well, yeah, I think it's a very interesting topic. I think that when I look back, it was a very strategic decision for me to be known as the Instagram stories queen. Like Mm -hmm. it was not something that I woke up one day and I was like, I know I want to be the Instagram (laughs) stories queen. Like this was not... (laughs) It was not on my to-do list. It was not on my list of goals. Like it wasn't on my vision board. Um, It was very strategic. I knew that I had a gift at stories. I knew that the number one thing people were messaging me about was Instagram stories. I knew that there was an opportunity there for me to carve out a little corner of a niche for myself. And that's exactly what I did. And it benefited me immensely. If I look at my business before I uh, identified as the Instagram stories queen, my business was not nearly as financially successful as it was afterwards. So I think niching down definitely, and when I say successful, I mean, profitable Mm. niching down was definitely a profitable thing for me to do. And I do think that there's a time and a place for it. And you need to know how to kind of ride the waves of your business. And if you see a wave coming and that's really what it was, it's, I saw that there was an opportunity there for me and I just went for it. And it served its purpose. It did its thing. And then after three years, I was like, I cannot keep talking about Instagram stories. (laughs) (laughs) I'm done, guys. I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. Like so much about the way that I sell has to do with me showing up and me being passionate and me being like excited about the topic. And I just didn't have that excitement for Instagram stories anymore. And, you know, there's, I think there's a certain level of it. So if you think about, I don't know if you've heard the story of Celine Dion, that every time she sings the Titanic song, she's so annoyed because she has sung it a million times. <laughs> and yet it's like that Titanic song that she sung, what was it? And my, my heart will go on. My, that yeah, song iconic, was like, yes. iconic yeah. right? She can't have a concert and not sing that song. <laughs> so it's like, there is definitely a balance of you need to sometimes push through, even when you're not super excited about it. Like if it's good for your business and, you know, money is oxygen to a business. And if you have to sell great, you have to sell, but also at a certain time, you have to ask yourself, like, is this what I want to be doing for the next five years? And if not, how do I start pivoting and moving into the right direction of what I do want to talk about and what I do feel passionate about. Mm -hmm. And for me, I knew that that was launching, like, Every time that I was working with my one-on-one clients, like I would light up talking about launching. Every time I would go to my masterminds, I noticed that people who had multiple six-figure businesses were coming to me and asking me, how are you doing it? Like, how are you having these launches with so much momentum and building authority? And I knew that there was interest in that space. So 
I just started leaning in that direction. And I think that's what it's, it's a balance. You said something really interesting. You said something about mastering something. And I think that's what it is. It's like, you're not going to keep changing. I see this happen a lot with people in the Mm. entrepreneurial online space. They're like, Mm. correct. They're bouncing from thing to thing. And they've created this offer and maybe it didn't sell the way they wanted. And they're like, oh, well that didn't work. We're now going to try something else. Mm. No, like the first time I launched together, we launch, I sold it to four people Mm. Four. but I didn't stop and say, oh, well, four people, it didn't work. Guess I'm just going to create something new your products and your offerings need to be refined and developed and created and collect testimonials and build. And you can't do that from just running it once. Mm -hmm. So niching down is good. It can also be like a, uh, I don't know what, you know, when you're in prison and they connect like a a ball to your leg, like a a ball and chain, (laughs) chain. right. It can also feel like that once you've outgrown it, but you also need to be able to balance it so that you can grow and, and get as much from the opportunity before moving on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so agree. I so agree. We talk a lot on this podcast and in my business space about human design. And I don't know if that's something that has come across your space at all. But, um, you know, the curious thing about human design is that because it's a system that gives people language, right, that kind of readily allows it, uh, leads itself to, to labels, yeah, and so then we can use all of that to either be incredibly expansive or limit, right? Same as same as niches do. And I find, you know, in a lot of the conversations that I have, because I specialize in one energy type in human design, which is manifestors, and right, we are the the unpredictable, right, inconsistent people. We're here to just be creative and initiate new things, birth them, let them be born, and then move on to something right. else, right? Which is a an incredible energetic ability to have. But the conversation that I have with a lot of people is when they try to merge that into business, right? And they're like, it's not working. <laughs> and I always say like, there's this, you have to honour honor the system that you're working within, right? There is this balance of like, no, you don't have to ju- just show up and, and repeat the same course over and over and over again and talk about the same thing for the rest of your life. But you also need to honour the vehicle of business and the mode of business that things do take time to build, right? You have to be able to have conversations repeatedly with people mm-hmm. about these things, especially in the online space, which is so noisy and people are, are with you just for the briefest glimpses of time right I think that there is this real um in my mind it's a collaborative relationship to say if I want to be in business then I need to really understand what business is and what it requires of me and work out that threshold point of um where does honoring the business stop honoring me and then where where can I step into myself from there that was so beautifully said I have to write it down (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Stop honoring me. That's that's so beautifully said. Oh, yes. you're welcome. Take it. Free that gift. Was great. That Have was it. great. Yes. Was great. Yes. <laughs> um, what I've loved watching for you, especially over the last year or so, right? As we've been going through the pandemic, I know Trinidad has had a really unique experience with that because you're an island and things have been hard to control. Um, And I I have a couple of clients in Trinidad, so it's been curious to kind of watch that a little bit more closely. I know you also went through the experience of losing your beautiful grandma through the last year too. 
And that seems to have all kind of culminated in you making a lot more decisions about self-care and slowing down and, and pulling away from the hustle of business. What, what has that journey been for you? Well, that's a good question. Big question. <laughs> a very big question, a broad question. Um, the journey has been illuminating, I <laughs> think. And yeah, and, and forced me to mature in ways that I didn't quite see coming. I think leaving behind 2020 for me, that was a huge transitionary period. Um, how has it been for me? It has been confronting, I would say, like mm. really getting down to the core of firstly, my grandmother getting sick. And I pressed pause on my business and really focused on her health and just being there for her and taking her to her appointments and advocating for her in doctor's appointments and making sure she was getting the right treatment. And all of that brings you face to face with what does it mean to be alive? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Um, Followed up by being at her side on her deathbed Mm -hmm. and the things that that brought up for me around, you know, really appreciating the gift that she has given and blessed my entire family with. I think that was huge for me. And until you lose someone, it's really hard to know the value of what that brought to your life into the table. Sorry if I get a little emotional. No, no, you're fine. And then I think also, you know, reflecting on that as an individual and asking myself, what do I want my legacy to be? Not just when I die and people look back on my life, like the randomers, but more so for my family. And and when I'm on my deathbed, what do I want my relationships to be like? And who do I want to be there? And and I think that has been a very deep personal experience for for everyone and anyone to go through. It's unique and individual. So that has been very, like I said, illuminating and and really brings up your purpose and makes you think on the hard, deep things. And then from there, getting back onto the horse of my business and being like, okay, like I've just gone through this life-changing experience. How does that now reflect in my business? And how do I now choose to show up in my business? And looking back, you know, in my early twenties, I gave everything to my business and my business meant everything to me. And I was devoted to success at all costs. Like no matter what I was going to make it. And now that I'm in my thirties, it's like, yes, all of that matters. And I want to give my best, but mainly what I want to do is create transformation. And mainly what I want to do in my business is be able to say, I created results. I made a difference. And I want to do it with as little effort and energy from me as possible. Like, I don't want to be showing up the same way that I showed up in my twenties. I want my business to be sustainable. I want my life to be full with or without my business. My, my life should not only be about my business. My life should be diverse and multifaceted, multi-layered. And then thinking about, you know, how do I build that business? Well, to build that business in my mind, I can't do it alone. And I think in my early twenties, I was just like, I just want to do it alone. Like I did not want to have a team. I did not want help. I just wanted to do it all on my own. And there's beauties in it. Right. Because in my twenties, what I really learned was how do I work 
That's what I learned is like, what is the beauty and the magic about how I work? And it's not, um, it's not the normal way that people work nine to five. It's not conventional, but that's kind of the beauty of learning how you work. So now I know how I work for my twenties. How do I create space for myself in my thirties to really work in the ways that I want to work and create support through team in the ways that I want to work. And simultaneously, when you have a team, you now have to ask yourself, how do I want to be as a leader? Mm-hmm. So it's like all of these different things that I'm now going through that are so juicy in their own rights. And then still figuring out, and how do I want to share that with my audience? And how do I want to make sure that I'm not impeding on my personal life and my own work-life balance and all of that jazz? So it's been very interesting, very fun, very joyful, very challenging, um, but I'm excited to be at this point and happy to rise to the occasion. <laughs> always, always. Yeah, I think it's always. a, uh, it's represented as something very simplistic, this whole like, just slow down and especially post, post pandemic. I mean, post, I say in inverted commas, we're still in it, right? Mm-hmm. But kind of post those two really intense years and, and a lot of the conversation now socially is, oh, and now I want to slow down because I've tried to go back to that frenetic pace that we were at and I, I can't do it. And of course, business is always a hotspot for these kind of things, right? Because in business, we do, we work hard and we push and we show up, right? Um, but I think a lot of people are having that same experience that you just described so beautifully of, oh, this is, this is quite an onion. Like this is not just, oh, I, you know, I cut off my work at a certain amount each day or I don't work weekends or this is a really multifaceted experience now and I have to question how this is showing up in all of the aspects of my life and not just my business, which I think is really beautiful. That's a really mature, um, I think, an incredibly divine thing to experience as a human that we can take those steps back from a system that we used to operate in that no longer works for us and say, what does it look like now? I get to, for sure. I get to build this in a new way. And what has that looked like for you over the last two years? You know, I, I think that um, because I've spent so long doing things in my own way, right? Like coming from a long history in business, what I realized was that I had a perception of, oh, I'm, I am already doing things in my own pathway. Like I'm, I'm not going to the beat of the rest of society and I don't work nine to five, but I was still very much conditioned to believe that even though I thought that I was taking this back step, I was working way harder than I should have been, right? Mm-hmm. Way harder than, than what felt good and mm-hmm. way harder than what was actually being productive and actually creating value, right? And I think you know, because my history in business is um, from hospitality and events, like we owned a major hospitality and events venue. So I was used to a hundred hour weeks, you know, like we just, we didn't stop working. We worked seven days a week and, um, you know, had 50 plus staff and it was always moving and always going and always chaos. And I think when I stepped out of that and came into online, I was like, oh, this is cruisy. (laughs) Once I figured out kind of like my footing in this place, which is a challenge to begin with, just like the online space is so big and so vast that like you have to find the lane and then figure out what you're doing in that lane. Um, Yeah. I think that it just by contrast, I thought that, that I was already 
chill. They thought I was I was already good. And I've realized over the last two years, no, no, no. <laughs> it's like not. No, no. <laughs> no, 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 right? Like I was still prioritizing um that busy work over mm-hmm. other more important things and still struggling with stuff like feeling restless when I was resting. I so many of us do that. Oh, I'm, I'm resting, I'm resting, but I'm watching Netflix and I've got music on and I'm flicking through my phone at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not resting. <laughs> Your nervous system is not <laughs> stopping. It's not yeah. relaxing, right? So that, that's been, I think, similar to you in terms of business structure, that's resulted with a very kind of similar journey, right? I've, I've expanded my team a lot. I've handed off a great deal more to my team um, and have really honed into this is this is where I know I excel. Mm-hmm. This is this is what I know that I bring this to the table. And I think, yeah. you know, as a business owner who's used to managing a lot of staff, it, I used to feel like I had to sit in that leadership role and, you know, be the person that was making the decisions and calling the shots and kind of marshalling the troops. And I've realized now that there's another approach to that that feels calmer to me, which is collaborative. I mean, we're, um, the way that we run the team over here is it's a synergistic team. I mean, I think I realize that there are people out there who can do things so much better than me. I'm not just because I can do something doesn't mean I'm the best at doing that. <laughs> Somebody else has better skills than me. Correct. You know, and that's that's beautiful because it evolves into something really extraordinary. Then mm-hmm. I feel, you know, that I don't know if it's what it's like for you, but that experience of watching your staff be able to have ownership over their piece of the business and just watching what they can do with it. I mean, phenomenal. I'm constantly saying like, you did that so much better than I <laughs> could ever have done it. Like, amazing. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and then the speed as well. I think for me, that's the big thing is like, wow, we are moving at a pace that I'm not used to because normally it's just me or it's just three of us. Now it's eight of us. It's just crazy how much faster you can move when you have people to help and support. Yes, so, yeah. for sure. For sure. What, what has that, I mean, I really, I, I personally hate the phrase self-care because I think we attach it to things that are like not self-care, but what, what has that kind of shift into self-care shift away from hustle looked like for you personally? Like what have you actually implemented that you feel has really made that change for you? I think just self-awareness is the biggest thing. I think just being aware of my habits, I I track my habits pretty intensely. (laughs) Um, I'm always journaling and trying to figure out like, how am I feeling and what am I doing that's maybe contributing to me being more anxious or me feeling more happy and joyful and, and really trying to see like, what are the things that make the biggest difference? And it's still a work in progress and it's always changing. I think that's, what's the most interesting to me about the journey of self-care is that something that works really well for me one month may not work really well for me the next month. And it's about being fluid and flexible with listening to your body and what you need in that moment. And knowing that it's never going to be the same, it's always going to be evolving and what it looks like will always shift. 
So whereas sometimes I go through periods of like heavy exercising and like very masculine exercise and, and like being strict with my morning schedule and waking up every day at a certain time and eating this and that, then sometimes I go into like much more feminine, like I just like right now I'm in a flow of, I wake up when I feel like waking up and when I wake up, I, I have my list of things that I like to do in the mornings, but if I don't feel like doing them, I will not do them. Mm. Like, I really just, I'm trying to nurture myself and, and be my own best friend and go to therapy and take care of myself. And it changes all the time. Mm, that's so good. That's so good. I think it's that recognition that we are, uh, individuals who are always in a state of change right? Especially as females. And I'm so glad that there's so much more narrative coming out about this now in business, right? The way that females approach business is really different to the way that males approach business. Um, because we, we are deeper, right? Our, our well is, is a lot deeper and it has a very different rhythm. And, um, sometimes we are really aligned with showing up with the push and the discipline and the drive. And other times it's all just about receptivity and nourishment and and pulling that all back in. Um, and I, I think that that's extraordinary to watch because to me, that's really, I mean, without being too gender focused on it, I, I think that that's the power of females, right? not necessarily the gender of females. I just think it's a different archetype. It's a different way of approaching things. And that's an incredibly powerful way of doing it also because it's so different Mm -hmm. because we've been told like be consistent and push hard and, and show up and keep going and make the sale and right in the online space. It's, you know, be in the DMS and do the launching and be consistent with your content and, it's been really cool to watch people like you and, and a lot of other people say, actually, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to create any content for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to show up at all, guys. I'll be back when I'm, when I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> like, has that felt good to you to do that? So good. But there's also <laughs> no choice. There's no choice for me. It's like I refuse to show up with an empty cup. Like I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have not, if I am empty, I have nothing to give you and it just feels inauthentic and misaligned and it just feels wrong and ugly and awful on all levels. Whenever I try to force myself to show up, yeah. um, it's an interesting balance for sure. I think, especially with having a team and now trying to like get back into like, just figuring out like what works for us as a team We're a brand new team, you know, like understanding my workflows and their workflows and the expectations of the business. And it's an interesting phase to be in, but I still feel really strongly around never showing up, never forcing myself to show up. And also, and this is really big and I'm so good at this. Like I do not bully myself for a a lack of engagement or like I show up at my best And if people love it, great. And if it goes viral, great. And if it doesn't, great. I really don't care. I don't care how many likes I have. I don't care how many follows I have. I don't care how many people comment. Like, I just, I just want to create what I want to create. And there's a balance. And like, yes, you have to think about SEO and like different, it's a balance, but Mm -hmm. that's generally my feeling is I just want to do my best work and whoever finds it, finds it. And whoever's meant to find it will find it. It's the authenticity, right? That I think that understanding that at, at the base of all of this, 
your energy is always going to be greater than any any algorithm, any strategy, any system, right? So people can smell it from a mile away. Bingo. Yes, because you can hit all of those markers. You can do all of those exact things and hate what you do, right? Or be exhausted or be trying to use somebody else's voice or somebody else's Mm -hmm. style. And it just won't land. It won't land. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's interesting about the online space. It's about, it's interesting though, like using the phrase, like it won't land because that's exactly, I would rather land with a way fewer amount of people than like not really land with a million. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I would rather like really hit the heart of a few people than like people kind of be okay with my content and attract millions. Like I know who I'm here to serve. It's a small group of people. I'm not out here trying to have, I'm not trying to be an influencer. I'm not trying to have a million followers. Like I just need to find my people and I don't need that many people. So <laughs> as long as, as long as they're into what I do, I don't need many of you. It's, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. It's just, it's just a number. It's really just a number. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about launch strategy? for a bit. Sure. I, I love, 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 love that this is an area that you're diving into at the moment. And I, I love watching your methodology um, and, you know, the experience that you've had and the way you've kind of brought that into a system. Um, I also love launching. I adore the, the process of it, the system of it. I think it's such a thrill to do it. How, how has it been for you to show up now? Okay. We're not we're not the Instagram stories queen anymore. Now I'm super passionate about launch strategy and this is all I want to do. And, and I think that, you know, what I realized in watching you and, and being a follower, which you articulated so beautifully before, is that you really just are here to bring that passion of transformation, right? How can I help you to do that? How can I, how can I help you to transform? How can I have meaning? How can my teaching really bring value to what you do? Um, where does being a launch strategist fit into that? Like why, why launching? Why do you love that? I love it because I feel like it is one of the greatest catalysts for people to have massive transformation in their business. Mm. And it's a system that is literally a rinse and repeat method that you do it once and you take the data and you repeat it and you do it again and again and again, and you get better and better every time. And you build out more and more of a name for yourself and you build community. I, the experience of launching for me is why I love it. It's so much more than just, Oh, like what's the end result going to be? Yes. The money's great. And I do love that you get that big boost of income. That's fantastic. But really it's the transformation of the business owner of realizing that they can connect to their community and realizing the value they bring and it's just so many little changes that happen throughout a launch. And then once you repeat and repeat and repeat, it just builds and the momentum gets bigger and bigger. And so to be able to work with my clients and see them be able to buy their dream house or be able to provide for their family in a completely different way and be the breadwinner. Like there's these, these things that are just to me, it feels like one of the best and greatest ways that I can help people not only make that money, but also learn how to do it in a way that feels good. It's not just about the money. It's about 
what, what was your experience of it? What was the journey like? And how do you relate to yourself as a business owner and as a leader? Mm-hmm. It, it's so multidimensional and multifaceted. And that's why I love it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's fear too, right? With launching, a lot of people kind of just get crippled by the fear. I, you know, certainly like looking back over the last number of years, I remember years, probably my first two years of launching was just like, all I feel is fear. Every launch is just a different type of fear that's <laughs> rearing up and like making me face it. Excellent. What what do you see? Uh, kind of what are the patterns of those fears that you see from people? Because you'd see it pretty up close, right? Pretty up close. Yeah. I have a front row seat. <laughs> <laughs> the fear is like fear of success, fear of failure fear of what people are going to think if some, if this happens, if that happens, fear of being seen, fear of visibility, but that's the beauty of it as well. It's like, you are literally putting every time I launch, I'm putting my beliefs to the test. And I love that I'm through launching. I am able to walk the talk. So if I go around life saying that, I believe that everything is happening for me, not to me. If I go around literally believing that my business is going to be a multi-million dollar business one day and I'm doing all my practices and I'm feeling it in my body and I'm manifesting it, I'm visualizing it and I'm, I'm literally bringing it into my reality. Launching is one of the best ways to put it to the test and be like, yeah, I'm going to be afraid. And yeah, things are going to come up and yeah, it's going to be challenging AF, but I'm going to get through it. And it's in those difficult moments. And trust me, like I am a launch strategist and I still have them. Like my last launch, Facebook ads, they had just come out with the iOS 14 and Facebook ads weren't working the way that they used to work. And I was hoping to have 1400 leads and I ended up with 200, Mm. right? So I, it was a huge difference in what I thought I was going to achieve. But at the end of the day, it allowed me to put to practice what I'm always teaching, which is to, am I allowed to swear? Probably Please, yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes. I'm Australian. We're very loose over here. (laughs) What I believe is to fucking trust. It's just to trust and to trust that you don't know the answer and that life always has your best interest in mind. Every single failed launch that I've ever had has led me in the right direction. So it's about getting comfortable with failing comfortable with not reaching your numbers, comfortable with the complete unknowingness of what's going to happen. And even looking at that launch, we had 200 leads instead of the 1400 that I wanted. And we still ended up hitting my good goal. So I always do good, better, best. Mm -hmm. I hit my good goal. Like I still had something to celebrate and be proud of, even though my leads were one seventh of what I wanted them to be. Mm Every time when you're first starting out launching, you're not going to know your numbers. So that was the first time that I tried this specific launch strategy because it was the first time doing it. I didn't know my numbers. So I was just kind of guessing 1400 sounds good. We'll see how it goes, but maybe my, my leads weren't as high as they should have been, but my conversion rate was way higher than I thought it was going to be, which is what ultimately allowed me to reach my good goal. So it's about not giving up before it's over. I always tell my launchers, it ain't over till it's over. So until that cart closes and until you shut down the sales page, you're going to keep showing up and believing that your number is there and that you're going to reach that number and that your people are out there and that it's your job to find them and show them why this is their next best step. 
but you have to show up with energy. The energy is everything. If you don't have Mm -hmm. the energy and if you've given up before you've even like, sometimes I see in together, we launch people will not reach their goal in terms of how many leads they wanted. And they're just, they want to give up and they're sad about it and they're defeated. Mm -hmm. No, you can't. And that's why I created together. We launch was to create that, that container where it's like, I'm not letting you just decide that you're over it and commit to, you know, failing before you've even really tried. You need to see this through. You need to put your best foot forward. That's how we're going to get the numbers to then be able to better predict next time. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing, as you, I'm just, I get very excited. About it. <laughs> I love it. I mean, obviously people can't see you, but you're like sitting forward in your chair and you're so like animated. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is where the passion's at right now. <laughs> I love it. it. I love it so much. I think it's, it's one of the most transformative experiences as a business owner. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the best. I fully agree. I fully agree. And it's so very, very easy. I think to get attached to the strategy and see the strategy as the anchor, right, in, in your launching. And, and that's where we get that devastation of, oh, I tried this thing. I, I tried a wait list and I thought I'd get 500 people on the wait list and I only got 50. So if that failed, right, inverted commas, if that failed, the whole thing's ruined. Um, yeah. It was really pivotal for me to identify in my own experience of launching that strategy is just strategy. I mean, there are millions of different strategies and you can have them all in your toolbox. And I think over time you do refine by going back and back and back and keep launching and keep showing up. You find the ones that resonate with you. You find the strategies that feel correct for you. You find the way that they kind of slot in with each other. It becomes much more fun for us. You know, it it gives us the experience as a team to say, cool, well, the next thing we launch Let's try a different strategy. Let's yes. slot something else in, plug that in, recognize that we're not going to be very good at it. We're not going to yeah. be like amazing at it straight out of the gate, but it's an adventure. We get to play mm-hmm. with it. We get to discover whether this is a piece of clothing we want to wear when we launch, mm-hmm. right? Rather than um, that strategy is so important that it's it takes over everything. The strategy is yeah. more important than my ability to trust in what I'm doing yeah. here. But of course trusting that faith that level of depth of trust and energy that's so it's so much harder to rely on that it's because it Mm -hmm. requires surrender you got to surrender to this unknown of saying like well I can't control the outcome no matter how much I tell myself that I can control the outcome with strategy I can't it is going Mm -hmm. to be what is perfect for me and what Mm -hmm. is good for me but I have to I have to just kind of be in this ocean and wait to see what that is. For sure. And I think that's where so much of bringing presence into your day and gratitude and being totally happy and accepting and at peace with where you are at right now. Mm-hmm. I think that is kind of like the lifeboat for me, at least of being okay with whatever the outcome is. It's like always holding on to like these are the things that I have now. This is my life now. I'm, I'm grateful to even be alive. I'm grateful to have a body. I'm grateful to breathe in fresh air. I'm grateful to have fresh drinking water. Like there's so many things to be grateful for. Even if you don't hit your launch goal, like your launch goal is not the end all be all. And the beautiful thing about it is that like, as time goes on, like if my, if I, if, if 
myself from 10 years ago could see me today, she would be like, wow, (laughs) I can't believe you have a team of people and you're such a badass business owner and you're making all this money. But it's like, the goal is always shifting, right? So it's like connecting to your future self and being like, this is what I want to create in my life. This is what I'm aiming for. I think having that vision is super important and also connecting to your past self and being like, she would be so proud of where I'm at today. And I'm so proud of her and having a healthy relationship with your future self, your past self, and understanding simultaneously that all we have is right here, right now. And tomorrow is not promised. So we can't just obsess about tomorrow. We have to be happy with, with right here, right now, and trust that that is in our brain and that our vision is in our brain for a reason, most likely because it's either going to happen or something better will happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to, it's not going to feel better tomorrow. You know, that, that kind of like, we love to push off that agenda. Oh, I, I feel bad about my launch right now. It's, you know, I feel scared or I feel overwhelmed or I feel stressed or I feel like it's failing but tomorrow it's going to somehow be perfect if I meet a certain number or I meet a certain metric. And then often we arrive at that number and we realize, oh, this doesn't feel like I thought it would feel like (laughs) until we can just let ourselves experience it for what it is when it occurs, which is so much, it's so much more fun. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of, so for my first six figure launch, my goal for that launch was to focus on how I felt and, and to always ground into myself and into my body and into my joy and to not link me reaching any goal to my happiness, like my happiness and my contentness, contentedness. Anyway, it comes from with contentment. <laughs> contentment. Yes. That's contentment. The word. <laughs> it comes from within no amount of money is going to help me get there. Like if I can tap into that with or without me reaching my goals, then I'm good. Mm-hmm. And ironically, like the first time that I was like, nothing's coming before my well-being. So if I've planned to go live at this time, but I know I need to nap, I'm going to cancel the live. Or I think for that particular launch, I did a five day challenge. And on the fifth day, I just sent an email to everyone. And I was like, guys, I'm exhausted. So I'm going to take a nap, but I'll come back tomorrow. It'll be on Saturday instead of Friday. And like, no one really cares, you know, and, and ultimately they respect you for putting yourself first. And how amazing that the first time that I decided to prioritize my energy and my well-being was my first six figure launch. Like to me, that was the biggest like nod from the universe of like, I, the universe wants you to be taken care of. The universe wants you to take care of yourself. The universe wants you to prioritize yourself. It doesn't want you to be depleted and exhausted and in a bad mood and coming from a place of lack. No, like it's in order to attract abundance, you have to have it within you already. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Incredibly true. Incredibly true. You also take breaks after your launches, right? Which I love because you like, you launch hard. You like, you got big launches, which I love to watch just strategically. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yes. Like <laughs> watch, watch the train in motion. Right. <laughs> um, and, and then I, I feel like you've become really unapologetic about saying like, guys, we just yeah. did this huge thing. Like this was so much work to do this. We're now, we're out, yeah. we're taking a break and it will take as long as it takes. And, and then we will return when we're ready. It, do you feel like that's something that a has that felt good to you and b how has your audience received that? A of course it feels good. 
Um, I'm really grateful to be in a position where I can be like, I'm disappearing for, I think right now in our SOPs, it's like two weeks after the launch, like those two weeks, I'm not in the business. I'm completely off the grid. So that's wonderful. And it just allows me to refill my cup, et cetera. Love that. Actually want to implement more of that into my business. We've started doing four day work weeks, which is one way that we've started implementing it. And I think that's wonderful. And I think more rest is always a good thing in terms of how my audience has received it. Um, I do think that my relationship with my audience is changing. Mm -hmm. So whereas before it was like a constant back and forth, constant, like feedback loop. Now I've noticed that it's much more, it's like a long-term relationship. It's like, we don't need to be in communication all the time in order for me to know that I'm there for you. And you're there for me. It's less constant and more just evergreen. It's always there. They know me. They love me. I know them. I love them. And, you know, people come and go in and out of each other's lives. They know for me as, as a, as a member of other people's followings, I will have like my obsessive period where I'm just like consuming, 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 and then I'll stop. But it doesn't mean that I don't still love them. I don't still support them. I don't still want to buy their products. Everyone's going through different phases in their life. I think right now with content online, to be honest with you, we're at a really pivotal period of like toxicity and noise. Mm -hmm. And I want my content to feel like an escape. And Mm -hmm. that's why, you know, right now I'm really focused on long form YouTube videos, I decided I just want to create what I want to create. And I want it to feel like an oasis and a a relaxing escape. I want my vlogs to feel like we're spending time together. We're relaxing together. I want it to feel slow paced. I don't want, you know, really fast edits where it's like, I want more silence. I want more space. And I want people to like relax into the video. And I feel like that's really kind of not trendy right now. Cause like people want to see a video and cut to the chase. And it's like, how do we keep people for longer? And let's shorten the video and get it down, man. I'm happy with one hour videos. I'm like, <laughs> let's have the one hour video. Let's have the 30 minute video. And hopefully when people watch it, they can just like chill and <laughs> not be obsessed with like moving on to the next thing. So I don't know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I feel exactly the same. I feel exactly the same. I think there is just an incredible, uh, heaviness in content right now, both in volume and noise and the intensity of the energy and emotion behind content. I mean, it's just so stressed, right? It's it's so kind of volatile. Um, and we've really, we've gone so much further into humor. I've just brought out so much more humor as this place of like, see yourself and just laugh. That's mm. all. Just take a moment. Like it doesn't, we don't always have to be like learning and shifting, yeah. transforming. Like you can see yourself and you can understand parts of yourself and you can even grow just by laughing, you know, yeah. just by like seeing yourself in this really have kind of time. gentle way. Yeah. And yeah. and at first when I started doing that, I was like, people are not going to get this. <laughs> I was like, I'm going from like straight educational teaching to like memes and like reels. And, right? yeah. and uh, I just, I laughed at myself afterwards because as soon as I started doing it, people latched onto it and loved mm-hmm. it and, and did exactly what I thought they needed to receive, right? They were like, whoa, yeah. I 
feel so much lighter and this is so much happier and this is, you know, I really love coming back each day and seeing this. So I definitely think there's this element of just allowing ourselves to respond to like just trust that what you're seeing at the moment is what's needed and just intuitively go with that. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't matter if nobody else in the online space is doing that, right? It doesn't matter if everyone's doing one minute videos and you want to do hour long videos, just do them if that feels correct for you. And the people will receive it in the way they need to receive it, right? I totally agree. Mm-hmm. So what, what is on the horizon for Alex Beedham? What is coming up next? Well, I'm getting married soon. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. That's yes. like the number one thing on my horizon is <laughs> make my fiance a husband after two years of being engaged. We were really waiting yeah. for the pandemic to like slow down. We wanted to do a destination wedding. And then I was just like, you know what? My granny passed away and I was like, t- life is short. I yeah. don't want anyone else passing away. So let's, we, pl- we plan the wedding in like four months. So we're getting married in, in May, which is very wow. exciting. Yeah. So maybe when this go live goes live, we might be married by then who knows. Very um, so exciting. That's next. <laughs> but in terms of my business, we are gearing up for a huge revamp of together. We launch, which is my main signature program. Um, we're completely, we're turning everything into pre-recorded videos. So whereas before it was all live trainings, now we're taking everything. We're taking all the lessons and really just pre-recording it so that it's there for people to do at their own pace. Um, and so, yeah, we're hoping to launch this summer, which I'm very excited for. And yeah, that's, that's like the number one main focus right now is just gearing up for the together. We launch launch. I love it. And you have been working with Dream Pro to do that, right? Dream yeah. Pro courses, right? Ariel was used to be a client of mine. I worked with Ariel oh, so for cool. a very long time when she Amazing. was building out Dream Pro. So she started off doing wow. completely different things Dude. in the online space and then built Dream Pro. So the online space is so small. It's I love so it. So small, right? I it's like love <laughs> it. I love it. Millions of people, and yet there are always cross connections in the yeah. network always it's great it's the best, <laughs> it's the best. It's, and I love I just love how like as you go year after year after year it's like the different connections and it's just so cool and I think it also adds a layer of accountability to our industry that we didn't have mm-hmm. before because it is such a new industry yeah. so it's nice to see people know people and connections and like it's great I love it <laughs> I love that too it's like it's like watching uh like watching the group that you went to high school with you know, grow up, (laughs) like, look at what you did. Oh my God. That's so great. You're working with these people now. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if anybody out there is feeling like you want to get Alex's particular medicine and energy around your launching together, we launch will be available. Probably it sounds like at around the time we're releasing this by the time we hit that, that Northern hemisphere summer. So we will pop all of the links to Alex in the show notes and you can definitely go and follow her. But Alex, where, where do you like to hang out? Where, where do you want people to come and find you? Well, we've created something specifically for your listeners. (gasps) I know, I know we're great. (laughs) It's all (laughs) about launching and it's, it's essentially like a a launching wellness checklist. Cause you know, I'm all about wellness and taking care of yourself while you launch. And so they can find it at launchwithalex.com forward slash HFP. 
Oh my God, that's so cool. Yay. <laughs> of course, we will put that. We'll put that all in the show notes so people can Amazing. easily get to that. But thank you. My God. Kids are going to lap it up. If they're not following you already, they will be after this. But, I, you know, I would be surprised. <laughs> there are many people in the audience who do not already know Alex Beaton. Oh, are you are you going to stay Alex Beaton after marriage? You keeping the name or are you? I'm okay? keeping the name in my business. I'll be keeping the name, but I will be changing my legal name. So I think that'll be I'm I'm excited to have like a different legal name to my business name. So <laughs> it'll be good. Like, your business will be like your superhero name. Right? Yeah. Like my, my alter ego showing yeah. up in business. I was like, I can't change my business name after all these years. It oh. just wouldn't work. <laughs> you're, you're Alex Beaton. I, yeah. <laughs> I think the audience I spent would... too long building this brand. <laughs> <laughs> it's a decade. There would be an implosion. Yes. <laughs> People had to recognize you differently. Yeah. That's so good. Well, have an incredible wedding. I'm sure it will be absolutely perfect and you will no doubt be beautiful and of course we'll no doubt share a lot of it on instagram stories so i'll be watching i'll be smiling on the other side of my mobile phone like feeling like i'm involved in it with you um thank you for bringing all of your wisdom and all of your teaching and your passion i love your passion for what you do definitely everybody go and follow alex jump on that incredible freebie that she has shared with us thank you alex for being here with us before we wrap up, I just have to say one thing. Oh, please do. Yes. By all means, take the floor. I just have to say thank you because I know how much work and effort it is to host a podcast and to have guests on. And your audience is so lucky to have someone like you to lead them and to have these types of conversations. So thank you so much for having me. And thank you for doing the work that you're doing in the world because I know it's making a difference. Oh, God. Stop. Thank you. <laughs> lovely. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here, Alex. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. I hope that my words, my sharing and the spiritual wisdom that came through today's episode have a magnificently transforming impact on your life. If you love this episode, I would be so humbly and truly grateful if you would share it on your social media. You can tag me on Instagram or Facebook at The Holly Marie. And also please consider taking a moment to leave a review right here on iTunes so that this information, this podcast and this spiritual transformation can be spread to even more people. Again, I cannot wait to see you for the next episode of Hunting for Purpose.